On this edition of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast, the state of the game in our province with Baseball Alberta's Darren Dakinder. Welcome to episode 69 of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast. I'm Joe McFarland. This is our final episode for 2019 as we take a break for the Christmas season. And while we head towards 2020, it's also an opportunity for us to take a look back on the year that was and look ahead to the year coming up. Back on episode two of the podcast, we did a State of the Union with Baseball Alberta Executive Director Darren Daykinder and thought it would be great to catch up again. We talked about some of the things top of mind going forward, including facilities and space, respect in sport, the women's game, and hosting big events again in 2020. Darren, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Uh, happy to be here. Good to see you again, Joe. It's been about a year since the last time we chatted for the podcast, and, and a lot has happened over the course of the year, and so I'm going to start off there. When you look back on 2019, how are you going to remember it? 2019, uh, um, has a couple things kind of going on for it. Uh, one is we're starting to see our uh, overall enrollment, player enrollment, uh, starting to flatten out a little bit. Um, and I think that uh, that's a reflection in part of many of our associations reaching the wall on diamond capacity. So um, just having enough sort of diamond space to to facilitate the growth of the sport, we're starting to kind of hit that upper limit. And I think that uh, a number of them are trying to work uh, with their municipalities to, to find ways to increase diamond capacity. Uh, I guess the other really, really big highlight that I remember from last year is uh, – um, in our 18U AAA division, um, we tier the, the grouping. So we have a, a top tier and a, and a second tier uh, of those teams. And we started that here a couple of years ago. Uh, and um, this year, the Tier 2 team was uh, the Northern Lights Academy from, uh, from Grand Prairie. And they won the Tier 2 championship, which gives them the right to go to the Tier 1 championship with a chance to go to the Nationals or Westerns. And at the Tier 1 level, they managed to get to the championship game where they lost by one run and they ended up representing us at Westerns and they got a silver at the Western Canada championships. And, uh, to me, it's kind of, uh, a really good indication of why tiering is important and why you need to give all the teams an, an opportunity. You got to give them that shot because you never know how far they're going to go. Even beyond that is to be able to see how different areas of this province, it's not just one or the other that's competitive. There's some competitiveness across the board now. Yeah, for sure, Joe. I mean, uh, we're really fortunate. I mean, uh, Fort McMurray has a really good program. Uh, There's lots of good programs in the Edmonton area, Calgary area as well. Uh, The Calgary Junior Dinos, the Okotoks Dogs, as everybody would know. Uh, But, you know, St. Albert also has a really good program. St. Albert was our 18U representative at Nationals this year. Um, You know, Parkland, Sherwood Park. Um, Red Deer. I mean, we, these these are these are pretty consistent performers for us across the province. And obviously, the other aspect of this is, as you mentioned earlier, about the 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 space issues. And when you're starting to see, you know, Sylvan Lakes getting a WCBL franchise as an example, and you have Brooks that's looking to go in a different direction. You've got these different programs that are all doing well. It's only going to add to the prestige, I suppose, of creating more at the grassroots level because you've got kids that are going to some of these games and, and seeing some high-quality talent. No, yeah, no question. Uh, what they're doing in Sylvan Lake, I think, is awesome. 
And you're exactly right, Joe. It will lead to greater interest in the sport, in the community. The kids will go. They'll meet the players. They'll, uh, you know, have some of their inspiration created there. And I expect that Sylvan Lake Minor Ball will be one of the next big growth stories in baseball, Alberta. How important is it from your perspective to get the ball rolling on some of these expansions sooner rather than later? Because you don't necessarily want to lose out on some of the momentum that has been built over the last little while. Yeah, I think it is really important, Joe. Um, in uh, 2017, um, our board created a, a program that we call the Facility Grants Program, um, where we were able to provide money to our member associations for uh, specific investment in facilities. And uh, we've invested uh, nearly $200,000 in the last three years um, in places all over the province. Um, again, all these same communities I just talked about, uh, but even smaller communities, um, Castor and um, um, you know um, Elk Point and places like that, uh, who are also growing their programs. And uh, I think that's been a, a big part of our organization's way to support some of these activities, to provide matching grant funds where that's required, or even just a base grant so that we can uh, get the diamonds refurbished or new diamonds built um, to help the game grow. How impressed are you with just kind of the overall growth of the game? Because you're seeing different pockets starting to develop where it's, whether it's an academy out in Badlands or whether it's, you know, as you mentioned, the Elk Points and the Casters. I mean, all of a sudden that, that grassroots game is starting to rebound a bit. Yeah, the grassroots um, is absolutely critical to everything uh, that's been part of our success the last 10 years uh, and and will continue to be the the sort of bedrock of success, I think, in the future. Um, The way that you grow this game is to get uh, young players interested in playing the game in their communities and uh, letting their talent and their abilities and maybe finding some coaches in their community so that their opportunity to succeed emerges. And I think that um, many, many organizations that we have uh, across the province are doing a great job in that area. And that's where the grassroots growth comes from. And we always point to the great success stories at the top. Everybody loves to see it. You know, I told you St. Albert uh, Cardinals went to the 18U National Championships. And and years past, there's been, you know, teams from from all over the province that have happened to go to that event. Everybody kind of looks at that as sort of a big prestige event. But the the work to get that 18-year-old to go there is really all of that grassroots stuff that happened before across the province. Not only that, but you're also getting those opportunities where you're hosting different events in this province as well. I know Okotoks did one. I know Fort McMurray's had a couple. I mean, there's been those opportunities there that are really putting the sport in the spotlight. And beyond that, is it's making other communities say, hey, we could do that too. Yeah, no, no question. I mean, um, uh, in, in 20, uh, 2020, for example, I mean, uh, the Okotoks Dogs are going to be hosting the 15U National Championships. Uh, and the uh, uh, Fort McMurray uh, Oil Giants are going to be hosting the uh, um, Canada Cup. So, uh, I mean, these are these are definitely prestige events to have in our province, and you're right, they also contribute to the growth of the game. Talk a little bit about the game itself, and I know we just went through your AGM and convention and had a bunch of different meetings, different breakout sessions. From the gameplay perspective, anything that ball players, ball families in this province should be keeping an eye on? Yeah, I, I you know I think I may may have mentioned this to you once before, Joe. But an area of of discussion that uh, we've had the last couple of years has been uh, uh, kind of what age category is the right age category to introduce the ability to throw curveballs. 
And, you know, the research really is not settled on, you know, whether that's something that increases the risk of injury or does not increase the, the risk of injury. Um, and we would be, I believe, the only province left in Canada that uh, has prohibited throwing uh, curveballs at the 13U level. And uh, for 2020, that's going to be a, a change. Uh, we're going to permit that uh, starting next year. Um, and we'll see where that goes with, uh, with the development of the sport. So that'd be you know, one example of you know, probably a significant change, certainly for that age category. Mm-hmm. How important is it going to be from a coaching perspective to be able to teach the kids properly? Because I know that there's been a lot of focus on Tommy John surgery and making sure you're not wearing out arms while throwing a curveball is one of those things that uh, does require a little bit uh, more of a, a nuance to it. Yeah, I think it's absolutely critical um, that the coaches teach it properly. And, and in fact, I would go so far to say that if, if there's a coach uh, who does not think that he can teach it, then I think that that would be not the time to introduce that to his team, whether the league rules permitted or not. Um, it's paramount that we protect the athletes, and we introduce these things when we're competent to do it and when they're ready for it. How are you facilitating that, I suppose, becomes a question. Is Will there be seminars put in place? Are you expecting coaches to get certain levels of certification? How do you, how do you kind of backstop yourself for, for that? So the, there's a, a national program called the National Coach Certification Program, um, and there's a number of modules uh, that I won't kind of go into a lot of detail about, but in essence, um, I think that's the vehicle through which we provide training education to our coaches, and that ultimately will be the vehicle that we use to uh, to ensure that um, at least some instruction is provided around around uh, uh, teaching the curveball to to younger players. Any other topics that have been bubbling up for you and your members? Um, yeah, I guess you know I could I, I've talked about lots of the the big po- positive sort of things, but. Um, you know, one area in the media uh, the last uh, couple of years that's gotten a, a great deal of attention is uh, situations in which maybe athletes are exposed uh, to potential sexual abuse from coaches. And uh, so that's an area, a great area of focus, both nationally and provincially in our sport. Um, so, for example, one of the things that we introduced in, uh, in 2019 is we introduced a 24-7, 365 hotline so that athletes would be able to confidentially and anonymously report uh, any instance that they would experience um, so that we could you know, investigate these things and do what we can to, to protect our youth uh, from you know, these kinds of exposures. So, obviously the same kind of deal, I would assume, especially lately, we've been talking a lot about uh, hockey coaches and that, but is that something that has kind of uh, been on your radar as well as something that, you know, whether it's racism or anything else, that that gets flushed out right away? Yeah, so, so all those kinds of, you know, those, we'll call them conduct areas, and, and by saying that, I don't mean to diminish anything uh, to do with uh, uh, the topic that I just mentioned, but mm-hmm. yeah, uh, for sure, we want a way to uh, both train our coaches, uh, and we have a number of, of methods to do that, uh, primarily starting with respect and sport, which is mandatory for our coaches, um, but uh, we also want a, a vehicle through which the players uh, who maybe are experiencing something that uh, is offside for them to be able to report it so that we can address it. Let's go back to your AGM and convention for a second. You had a special guest by the name of Mike Soroka as the guest speaker. What did it mean to have someone of Mike's caliber come in and chat with the kids, especially after that successful start to his major league career? Yeah, it was uh, it was an awesome experience to have uh, somebody of Mike's caliber, but probably more importantly, of Mike Soroka's character 
um, be a guest at our banquet. Um, uh, Mike's a uh, very articulate young man. Um, I thought he was uh, terrific in terms of his interactions with our players uh, and with all of the members that were present at the banquet. Um, the part that the part of the story I'll, t- I'll tell you, Joe, that I think is really cool is you know we we reached out to Mike um, probably not to, right around this time last year, so kind of prior to his uh, we'll call it his, his huge breakout success mm-hmm. that he had last year, and and we reached out to Mike uh, because he is a homegrown Alberta talent, and we thought it'd be really cool if he could be a guest at our banquet, and um, and we kind of got all that stuff sort of wrapped up really early in the year, long before spring training. And um, and got him to you know um, to to be our guest, and then his season turned into what it was, and uh, and that just I think was like the icing on the cake. It was it was an uh, awesome opportunity then for our players to hear from somebody who you know is early in his journey but a journey that many of them aspire to. And, and I thought that was really cool. Well, and, and he's not that far removed from their journey either. I mean, at the age of 22, he's still going through it. It's not like you're hearing from, you know, 45-year-old or a 50-year-old who played way back when. It's somebody who is living the dream as they speak. And, and they may see a little bit of themselves in what he's doing now. Yeah, I mean, you you know, you had... Uh three of our players of the year on a, on an earlier podcast here a few weeks ago. And I mean, you heard uh, how much they, they spoke about how inspirational it was to have somebody so close to their age, you know, make this journey. And I mean, I, I think, I think Connor Pope mentioned that this is in his mind opens the doors for him and others to maybe pursue their dreams too. And, and you know, that, that creates its own excitement. On a personal level, what did you take away from Mike being there? Uh, I, I, I was so impressed, um, with the young man. Um, uh, he was so gracious, um, you know, in his handling of both the media as well as all the, the requests for autographs and pictures and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and I can tell you that I'm just as, you know, somebody who has the privilege of leading this organization, I was just so grateful that, uh, that he was, you know, the, the gracious, uh, guest that he was, um, and that, um, you know, what he did, uh, by making himself so available, I think offers so much to our members. What does it mean to baseball in this province to have somebody like Mike, but even others who are coming back and making sure that they're giving back to the baseball community, whether it's through coaching, whether it's through seminars, catching clinics. I know Jordan Precision does that in Oak Tokes. I mean, there, there's so many that have tried to make a go of it or are still in the midst of making a go of it. And they're still trying to blaze a bit of a trail, I suppose, for those up and comers now. Yeah, you know that's that's a really neat topic that you're touching on, Joe. I I, I think we've seen a lot of that uh, uh, in the last number of years, where you know players have come back, and sometimes at the pro level, but sometimes even at the college level, mm-hmm. and have uh, kind of reconnected with their local community association they grew up in, or maybe maybe uh, they've moved back to a different town and they're, they're with a different community, but they've tried to find a way, as you said, to coach, to get involved with some of the programming. Uh, you know, you mentioned Jordan Procession. I mean, I'll I'll give a shout out to Shane Dawson, mm-hmm. um, um, who's involved with uh, the Strive Academy in, in Calgary. Uh, Shane coached uh, on uh, one of our Team Alberta women's teams last year, uh, and you know Shane has found a way to try to get uh, you know reconnected, if you will. Shane was a uh, was a terrific baseball player for uh, uh, Parkland, uh, then the Spruce Grove White Sox uh, when they were when they were going to nationals. 
Yeah, it's just amazing to see how the community seems to be rallying around each other and realizing, hey, there's an opportunity here for us to a grow, but really grow in a, a substantive way where you're seeing more players that are are not only competing but doing really well on bigger stages, whether it's the the men or also the women as well. Yeah, I mean uh, the. It's, you know, you've kind of given me a great segue to the women's program, which I haven't really talked about too much. But I mean, our, you know, we had we had five players uh, from Alberta make it to the national team this year. You know, we had uh, a couple of Jespersons because I think that's the first family of uh, mm-hmm. female baseball in Alberta. But but we also had, uh, you know, Kelsey Lawler and Madison Willen and Caitlin Ross. Um, and so having, you know, those players, you know, uh, achieve their goals as well. And then we could talk about all the the great male players that have come through the last number of years, and, and several have been drafted. Uh, folks like Eric Sabrowski and Tanner Kerwer and Matt Lloyd, and I mean uh, the list kind of goes on and on uh, of relatively recent players that have maybe had some opportunity to play at the next level. You mentioned the women's game earlier, and I wanted to revisit that one for a second. Alberta hosted the National Women's Championship in Oktoks this summer, and I mean whether notwithstanding another success there. When you look at that side of the sport, along with some of the great ambassadors like Nicole Chansky and Kelsey Lowler over the last few years, you have to be really pleased with the growth there. Yeah, it's true. Our team is very young in that regard, and and the the Nicola Chanskys and and Teres Lakonich and and you know many others that I'm sure I should be remembering all their names that I won't. Uh, the Northcotts, for example, uh, Heidi and Heather Northcott. I mean, it was it was those girls that sort of established a lot of the programming that we have now. And uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to uh, Chris James, who's uh, Baseball Alberta's um, girls and women's technical coordinator, and and all that he's doing for our program in terms of uh, coaching, technical development, uh, and really identifying a lot of these female athletes out there and and getting them to discover their interest in baseball and and the talent that they might have. Mm -hmm. If you were to give a state of the game right now in our province, what would you say about it? I think our game is healthy. I think it's it's strong and vibrant. Um, I think the challenge, uh, there's a lot of challenges to make this game kind of grow going forward, some of the ones that I've alluded to in the call earlier. Um, uh, I think that we have a, a very bright future. I think we've got a strong base. Uh, I think we have some great volunteers across this province and some really strong organizations. Um, and and we're fortunate because those organizations really identify and, and build those players up. If we were to sit down in a year's time for another State of the Union, what do you hope you're able to accomplish? I that's a that's a great question. A couple things that I would you know love to see is uh, I would love to see um, at one of these events that Alberta is going to have the the opportunity to host next year. Uh, I would love to see uh, us win uh, a national championship uh, in our home province. Uh, I'd love to see the Okotoks Dogs win the 15U national championship. Um, so there's a you know there's a certain uh, you know cachet, if you will, that comes with winning a national championship to begin with. But to win it at home, I think makes it more special. So there, you know there'd be there'd be a, there'd be some goals kind of around that. Uh, I want us to, I want our our grassroots members to continue to grow. I want them to continue to focus on um, offering the 
rally cap program, um, working on developing 9U baseball and 11U baseball uh, at the house league level. Um, and I think that a year from now, you know, as long as we're still talking about the successes that all those small communities are, are having across uh, our system, I think that that'll keep the, the sport vibrant forever. It has been a lot of fun to cover the sport this year and looking forward to 2020. Darren, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast, as always. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, Joe. Thanks again to Baseball Alberta's Darren Daykinder for joining us on the podcast this week. And as always, a giant thanks to you for downloading and listening. Whether it's your first time or if you're a longtime listener, we are so incredibly grateful for you checking us out. We'd also like to tip our caps to our sponsors, the Okotoks Dogs, Dogs Academy, the Western Canadian Baseball League, and the Vauxhall Academy of Baseball, as well as all of our partners for their continued support. We have been absolutely blown away by all of your love here on the podcast and at albertadugoutstories.com. So on behalf of Ian and myself, thank you. We'd also like to wish you and yours a Merry Christmas and a wonderful New Year. We'll see you again in 2020.